This is the Smart Communications Smart Communications Smart Communications Podcast. Developing the voices voices, voices. Developing, developing the voices, voices of determined nonprofits. Brought to you by Big Duck. Welcome to the Smart Communications Podcast. This is Farah Trumpeter, co-director and worker owner at Big Duck. Today we're going to ask the question, how should you approach Giving Tuesday? If you're very familiar with Giving Tuesday, not familiar with it all, don't worry, we've got something for everyone in this conversation, and I am delighted to be joined by Abby Jarvis. Abby Jarvis, who uses she, her, is a speaker, writer, and researcher at Neon One. Her 10 years in the nonprofit technology industry have been dedicated to understanding how and why donors support their favorite causes. Studying donor trends and behavior and sharing practical tactics nonprofits can use to build successful fundraising programs. I was talking to Abby recently about some other project, and we started talking about Giving Tuesday, and I thought, let's record this conversation and have an even longer one. So, Abby, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. So, for those of you out there who may not be familiar with it, Giving Tuesday is an international movement that describes itself as reimagining a world built upon shared humanity and generosity. It was created in 2012 with the intention of being a day that encourages everyone to do good. It is held typically once a year in November or December in 2023, as we're recording this podcast, it's November 28th. And it really is now something where, in fact, the folks behind it are encouraging people to celebrate Giving Tuesday every Tuesday. So with that background in mind, I actually just want to start by talking to you, Abby, about how you connect to Giving Tuesday. What's been some of your experiences over the past, now as we're in the 11th year, but over the past decade with Giving Tuesday? It's really been quite a ride. So I started working in the nonprofit tech industry in January of 2013, so right after the very first Giving Tuesday. And watching its growth since then has been amazing. It went from a relatively small giving day. It was really exciting, but it was still pretty small compared to what it is now. Now it's a huge global movement. And that has happened really in just a few years. And I think that's really wonderful. And my favorite part has been watching nonprofits get creative with what they do on Giving Tuesday. And then, of course, watching it grow and watching people all over the world rally to support their favorite causes especially when you consider that, especially right here in the States, we're doing so right in the middle of one of the biggest shopping weeks of the year. So I think it's a really beautiful reminder that like, yes, people care about more than just Black Friday deals. They also care about making the world a better place as well. Yeah, which I think was the original intent behind it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I talk to other nonprofit staff and consultants and board members and volunteers about Giving Tuesday, I will say the reaction is mixed. Some, I find, are very excited about how it's grown. They use it as a way to get new donors or even to get an extra gift from existing supporters, raising more online, in fact, on that day than any other in the year. Others find it overwhelming and distracting, fostering competition between organizations or sabotaging efforts to get bigger gifts. And then there's a group out there who maybe even ignore it altogether or use it to amplify other organizations in their ecosystem. And I'm personally excited about that last trend. Past few years, I've seen more and more organizations approaching Giving Tuesday with a collective lens. And in fact, I blogged about that last year. We'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. But in this world of all the different feelings that are associated with Giving Tuesday, I'm curious, where do you fall on this debate, Abby? 
Man, this has been a spicy debate for about as long as I've been in the industry. Personally, I'm very much for Giving Tuesday. I think, honestly, having a day dedicated to giving is an important move. We know people are generous, but I don't think a lot of folks wake up in the morning and write, donate to a nonprofit on their daily to-do list. So I think having a day set aside expressly for that purpose, expressly for celebrating generosity and coming together to accomplish big, beautiful things is very useful. I also think, honestly, having a deadline for giving is useful. Nothing bad is going to happen if someone doesn't give, of course, but I think there's a certain psychological response that people have when there is a day dedicated to giving. I don't know how else to explain it, but I think it's a really useful tactic. Of course, I have heard a lot of concerns from consultants and staff about Giving Tuesday, and I understand a lot of them. Of course, planning a full-fledged campaign that culminates in a single day is a ton of work, especially when you are really busy planning a year-end campaign. Planning that second smaller campaign can be very stressful, and I don't want to downplay that at all. I also can kind of understand the concern about it creating competition between nonprofits, And sometimes I can understand the concern about it possibly sabotaging other fundraising efforts. But I tend to think that those concerns are more of an issue with the way the nonprofit sector looks at fundraising than anything else. I think nonprofits create competition between nonprofits. Giving Tuesday doesn't do that. And I'm speaking from my own experiences here, especially after helping run a big Giving Tuesday campaign. There was some concern, of course, that we would be competing with the organization down the street for the same group of donors, but that didn't really end up being the case. If you were listening to this podcast and you have these concerns, I want to share two little factoids that really kind of inform my feelings on this topic. So a number of years ago, I did a study where we asked donors about their Giving Tuesday activities. Most of their respondents to the survey, I think there were just over 1,300 of them, didn't only give to one organization on Giving Tuesday. The largest cohort of donors in that set gave to two or three organizations that day. When we looked at some fundraising data from Neon One's clients, we saw an overall lift in fundraising for organizations that participated in both Giving Tuesday and standard end-of-year campaigns. Participation in Giving Tuesday didn't hurt their year on fundraising at all. I understand where those concerns are coming from, but I don't see data that backs up those concerns. Of course, we can still talk about the stress and pressure people feel. We don't have data, obviously, that proves that they don't feel that. But in terms of competing with other nonprofits and in terms of it cannibalizing year-end gifts, those aren't really concerns that we see backed up by data. People are generous and generosity isn't a competition. It's not a a pie where the nonprofit down the street raising money means that you get less. Uh, You don't have to forego one campaign to make another more successful. You may need to reevaluate the way you communicate with Giving Tuesday donors, especially if you are going to ask them for an end of year donation. But I hope those two data points give fundraisers the space to step back and look at their communities and celebrate how generous people really are. And I think it gives room to encourage your donor base to support the nonprofit down the street. You're not competing for the same pie. You are all working together to make your community a better place. Yeah, well, I can definitely agree with you for sure on that last piece. One of the reasons I want to talk to you is because you do have lots of data at your fingertips. (laughs) And if you're out there and you're intrigued, 
One of the things that I really appreciate is that Neon One does publish a lot of resources. And I know that you recently published the nonprofit email report, Data Backed Insights for Better Engagement in April 2023. And that had some great insights about using email. We'll come back to that in a minute. But I know that you also just released a companion publication with Data Backed Insights for Giving Tuesday in Year End, which obviously I think you were just calling to. Mm-hmm. So if you're curious about these reports, we'll link to both of those in the transcript and you can get that transcript at bigduck.com slash insights. But before you go out there and find those reports and download them, I'm wondering, Abby, if you can share just a few notable takeaways that our listeners might use when they're setting up their approach to email for Giving Tuesday. Because I would say that is often the number one complaint I hear from people out there is like, oh my gosh, I got 16 emails from one organization on this day. What is happening? Why is my inbox on fire? Yeah. So yeah, perhaps you can talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. There are so many findings I could cite, but I'm going to focus on two of my favorites. All right. So for context for this first one, we worked with someone named Chirian Koshi. He's an absolute genius to do an AI analysis of words, phrases, and sentiments in email subject lines and preview texts and how those subject lines and preview texts impacted overall email engagement. When we did this analysis, Chirian found that subject lines that evoke positive feelings, feelings like pride, optimism, relief, gratitude, and there were some others, way outperformed emails that had either neutral sentiments or negative sentiments. So if you want to stand out in an inbox when your donor's inboxes are on fire, try to create subject lines that make your donors feel good. Honestly, we get enough negativity in our inboxes. We get enough negativity on social media. Negativity is pretty much everywhere else these days. When you create an uplifting email with an uplifting subject line, you will stand out. Interestingly, we also found that emails that included preview text raised 53.85% more than emails that didn't. Now, I will say that doesn't necessarily mean that the preview text itself is helping to raise more money. It may very well be that nonprofits are more likely to use preview text for important fundraising emails, for example, and that could impact those results. But I will say it's worth taking the time to put together some good preview text for your emails. So that's my first takeaway. If you want to stand out, write an email with a good subject line that makes donors feel good. The second standout takeaway made me laugh out loud when I saw it because it's baffling to me. So during that same AI analysis of email subject lines, we found that emails whose subject lines contained the word Tuesday had higher engagement rates, but that subject lines sent on Giving Tuesday that included the phrase Giving Tuesday saw poorer engagement rates. That did not make any sense to me at all. I worked really closely with my friend Tim Sarantonio to get these data points. And when he noted that Giving Tuesday and subject lines on Giving Tuesday harmed engagement, I asked him to go back and double check because that didn't jive with me. Uh, It turns out there are a fair few emails that were sent in 2022 that contained the word Tuesday in a non-Giving Tuesday context. And those emails got great engagement. So that's my second piece of advice for you. Don't use Giving Tuesday in your email subject lines on Giving Tuesday. Go figure. So wait, does that mean I might say why you should give this lovely Tuesday and that might be okay? Something like that or an event reminder this Tuesday or what are you doing this Tuesday? Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, fun with data. Here we go. So fun. Test it yourselves. (laughs) 
Well, since Giving Tuesday is often the kickoff or falls in the middle of, of year-end fundraising campaigns, as you mentioned, some folks just do a very focused 24, 72-hour Giving Tuesday push, and then they get into year-end in December or a few days following, depending on when Giving Tuesday is. Others really integrate it. I know you've also took a look at end-of-year fundraising. I know that you looked, I think, particularly at emails that were sent out the last three days of December, which is another day and boxes are on fire. Yeah. And I'm just curious if you have any tips to share about using email for end-of-year fundraising. I do. We found a few different takeaways that I think can answer some common end-of-year fundraising questions. The first question that we were able to kind of answer is about that sweet spot for the number of end-of-year email campaigns. And that seems to be two emails. Now, I want to be clear that that is an average of two emails received per donor, not email campaign sent overall. If you're doing a lot of donor segmentation and you are intentionally tailoring your appeals to different groups of donors, you may write more than two emails. But sending any one donor more than two emails during that end of year period, the 29th, 30th, and 31st of December, generally resulted in diminished returns. This was actually true of email campaigns sent the day of Giving Tuesday. Also, two was kind of the maximum before returns started to drop off. So as you're planning your year-end campaigns, two emails per donor is about the max you want to send. Otherwise, you're just spending a lot of time and effort creating emails that won't have the results you're looking for. The other finding that really stood out to me when we did this research was around the actual day that you send an email in those last three days of the year. Across every engagement metric we looked at, fundraising emails sent on December 30th, 2022, outperformed emails that were sent on the 29th and on the 31st. These emails sent on December 30th had higher open rates, they had higher click-through rates, and they raised more than appeals sent the other two days. So I believe the average email campaign sent on December 30th raised almost $1,200 more than campaigns sent December 31st and more than $3,300 more than campaigns sent on the 29th. So if you're only going to send one email appeal during those last three days, you may want to consider sending it on the 30th. That is when donors seem to be most willing to engage and respond with those emails. This episode of the Smart Communications Podcast is brought to you by The Singles Project, an app where you donate and date. One way you can celebrate Giving Tuesday is by inviting your list to join The Singles Project dating app and make a monthly donation to you through their site. This donation unlocks access to a dating community connected through common causes. Find out more at singlesproject.org slash bigduck. This conversation is getting very tactical, but I know that some people really appreciate that of our podcast. I hope you're out there and they're appreciating that, taking notes for as you build your year-end campaign plans. And before we turn away from email, because there's obviously many channels to talk about, but historically for many years, for many nonprofits, email has been the best source to drive people to a donation page and get those gifts. We will talk about other channels in a minute, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about that overarching nonprofit email report you put out earlier this year. Was there anything surprising or that you think would be really helpful for folks to know about and consider as they're developing maybe their approach to email for 2024? Absolutely. There are so many findings to choose from. My favorite personally is that for context in the study, small nonprofits are nonprofits that have between 250 and 999 contacts on their email lists. 
Those small nonprofits actually sell much better email engagement than large organizations, which in our language in this report have 1,000 or more contacts on their email lists. Small nonprofits got better overall engagement metrics, and they also raised more per email contact during those four biggest days of the year, Giving Tuesday in the last three days of December. On those days, those four big important fundraising days, the average large nonprofit raised around 88 cents per email contact. The small organizations, though, raised an average of $6.15. Every time I talk about email, I hear from fundraisers and nonprofit staff and marketers who feel so much pressure to grow their email lists. And yeah, expanding your audience is an admirable goal and it is important. But if that's a pressure that you feel, I do want to encourage you and remind you that having a small, highly engaged audience is really valuable. So put that in your back pocket the next time you feel stressed out about growing your email list. My next favorite takeaway is concerning the day of the week that gets the best overall email engagement. Now, every time I talk about this, I ask what day of the week people think get the best email engagement. I'm going to jump in and guess Wednesday. Yeah. So Wednesday is a really common guess. Most people usually guess Tuesdays or Thursdays, but it's Fridays. Fridays get amazing email engagement. And for this purpose when I talk about email engagement. This is a combination of both open rates and click-through rates. If you look at one of those metrics in particular, the day shifts a little bit, but Fridays overall, very great for email engagement. But everyone hears that Fridays are like the kiss of death for an email campaign. And when we talked about this at AFP Icon earlier this year, the mutter that went over the room when we said that Fridays were a great day for email engagement was very funny to me. And that's what you hear as a for-profit marketer. For-profit businesses are told that you send email campaigns on Tuesdays and Thursdays and you never, ever, ever send on Fridays. But that's just not true for nonprofits. So aside from kind of proving that nonprofits need their own benchmarks and their own best practices, not borrowed from for-profits like me, I think this shows that there's room to experiment with emails. There's room to question a lot of the generally accepted best practices. There's room to try new things and see if donors respond. So who knows? Your bright, uplifting email subject line could be just what your donor wants to see when she's doom scrolling her inbox on her lunch break on Friday. (laughs) There you go. Well, we have talked a lot about email. But as we both know, Giving Tuesday shows up on all the digital platforms, a nonprofit's website, its Instagram channel, its SMS or texting program, its accounts on Threads, Facebook, LinkedIn, the X network, previously known as Twitter. I'm not actually sure what they're calling that yet, but I'm curious, what advice do you have about nonprofits in terms of how they should use their digital channels before, during, and after Giving Tuesday? Mm, This one's a good one. My number one tip is not to assume that people are seeing everything you post. Your donors and your audiences are almost certainly not seeing everything you post. The last time I checked, the average reach for an organic Facebook post is 5.2%. The average reach on Instagram, if you're posting on your feed, is actually pretty decent. It's almost 27%, but it's just over 8% for stories. And that's if you happen to have fewer than 10,000 followers. I don't know how many folks listening have more than 10,000 followers, but if you do, you can expect to see that reach decline as you grow. 
Now, that kind of sounds like a bummer. You're putting a lot of time and effort into writing really engaging posts. You're sourcing, you're sharing great pictures, you're making cute reels or videos, and people just aren't seeing them. But the silver lining is that you can share a lot on your social media channels and you can reuse a lot of the content you have. Sure, you don't want to post exactly the same thing an hour or two apart, but you do have room to repost your content. So in the lead up to Giving Tuesday, remind people that it's coming up multiple times a week or do that for a week or two before the actual big day. Share lots of stories throughout the day. Post updates. Be silly. Be approachable. Uh, You want to keep your email campaigns on Giving Tuesday limited to one or two so you're not just lighting up your donors' inboxes. I would say if you are using SMS, be extremely judicious with using that. SMS feels very personal and it can quickly become annoying or intrusive. But on your social media channels, just go wild. You can post so much without being overwhelming or annoying, again, because your reach is not going to be getting your posts in front of everybody. I think that also leaves a lot of room to be human. I think donors respond very well to that, especially on a day like Giving Tuesday where people are putting out very polished graphics and this and that. Put your face out there, post a lot, connect your donors with the humans at your organization. And connect your donors to the people they're supporting when they give. Have fun with it. Building that relationship between your donors and your staff and your clients will really help you stand out in a sea of Giving Tuesday posts. Yeah, well, before we go, I do want to just speak to two things you just said. One, I would encourage people, if you are going to show the the people that you're supporting, consider ethical storytelling, consider if you're compensating those folks, telling those stories from a place of dignity. There's a lot out there that we've talked about and others have on that subject. And the other is I do want to uplift your idea of experimenting and being authentic in what you put out there. We always talk in our branding work about your brand should be who you are in your best day, but it is who you are every day. Mm -hmm. And you need to be genuine with how you communicate and be clear. So thanks for saying those things. Now, I do want to take a moment and talk about generosity. Giving Tuesday is now all about quote-unquote radical generosity. Neon One is all about powering movements of generosity. What's it all about? What comes to mind for you when you hear the word generosity? And what are some examples of nonprofits or nonprofit supporters being generous on Giving Tuesday that you've seen? I think this is a really neat topic. It's something I'm very passionate about, so I'm going to try to keep it succinct. Generosity is such a human thing. We are hardwired to be generous with each other. When we are generous, when we give to a cause we care about or when we help our neighbor out or when we are doing something good to make our communities a better place, our brains create the same chemicals our brains create when we're in love. To be generous, whether we're donating online or collecting food for a food drive or volunteering our time, it makes us very, very human. And that's why I like your point about being authentic and personal when you're on social media. A big thing that we could talk about probably forever is that there is a situation happening right now where there's diminished trust between donors and the nonprofits they support. And when you remember that generosity is human and you can be a human with other humans working together to make a better world, you're tapping into something very special. 
And that's important, especially if you're a fundraiser. Part of being in the fundraising world, it's inevitable, is having goals and working toward goals and raising revenue and thinking about your reporting. And that's okay. And that's necessary. But when you don't have a moment to step back from those goals and those reports and that database, it's really easy to lose sight of the humanity that is unfolding in front of your eyes. Donors just become records in your CRM. A $30 gift is just an incremental step toward reaching your Giving Tuesday fundraising goal. It becomes a transaction. It's not a gift anymore. So when we talk about designing a generosity experience for donors, what we're really talking about is intentionally creating a moment where you help someone connect in a very real, very human way to the work that you do. And when you do that, when you put yourselves in the shoes of your donors or someone who's giving you money or volunteering or making a gift that they could spend in a thousand different ways, but they choose to invest in you and your work instead... When you create that moment for them, you're doing something that's more than transactional. You're giving Tuesday appeal, the story you tell, even things like the donation process and the receipt you send, and then later the thank you letter you send and the impact update that your donors receive. All of those things are very intentionally designed to speak to and to celebrate the very human instinct to give. You stop focusing on the money and you start focusing on the humanity behind the gift. And that sets the stage for true relationship building between your organization and your supporters. And that helps you build a community of people who trust you and who you can rely on to do important work. It's not just a database full of names anymore. It's a community. And I will say, because when we talk about generosity, especially on big fundraising days, we tend to associate generosity only with financial gifts. An important thing to remember is that especially on Giving Tuesday, generosity isn't only financial. That person who's volunteering at your organization or that student who can't afford to give you money but will reshare your posts to their stories or the person who's raising money for you instead of just donating themselves, they're all being generous too. Generosity takes a lot of forms and all of them are valuable in their own right, even if they don't easily transfer into a bank account. Yeah, I love that you said that. And again, like giving and being generous is so much more than just making a financial donation. So thank you for putting that out there. Mm -hmm. Well, Abby, thank you for everything. You've shared some really helpful insights, suggestions, really specific things people can put in place. If you're out there and you want to learn more about Neon One's tools or access their resources, be sure to head on over to Neon One. That's spelled out N-E-O-N-O-N-E.com. If you'd like to connect with Abby, you can follow her on LinkedIn at Abigail L. Jarvis. There's an extra L in there. Abby, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I love talking with you about this stuff. Great. Well, everyone, good luck this year end season, however it is you celebrate, and may it be one that is full of generosity and love and all good things. Are you a fan of this podcast or Big Duck's other resources on nonprofit communications? If you are, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line by writing to hello at bigduck.com to tell us what you're working on and what topics you need help with. We also welcome getting your feedback via reviews. You can review this podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. This is the Smart Communications Podcast. 
Developing the Voices of Determined Nonprofits, brought to you by Big Duck. Big Duck is an agency that puts smart communications in the hands of nonprofits. We help our nonprofit clients develop strong brands, strong campaigns, and strong teams that advance their missions and achieve their goals. Connect with us at bigduck.com.